This is episode 12 with online marketing expert, Amy Porterfield. Words can't really describe how excited I am to have Amy Porterfield on today's show. We recorded this about a, probably about a month ago now, and I had followed her for some time. She is a social media marketing guru, and she helps over 250,000 online entrepreneurs and really gives them confidence, gives them step-by-step and action-by-action steps so that new online entrepreneurs can just get over the, the self-doubt and really generate exciting momentum as they move closer to building a life and a business they love. I follow a lot of her tips, and on today's show, you are going to hear all the different things that she does, where her story is, where she came from, and how she has made something into an unbelievable empire. You guys are going to love Amy Porterfield. But before we get started, I'd like to thank a few of our sponsors. Dr. Dish Basketball provides the premier training machines in the world with next-level analytics and versatility. Their newest innovation, Skill Builder, is the first of its kind and allows coaches and players to stay connected. Through Skill Builder, you can choose or create complete workouts combining shooting, ball handling, conditioning, and agility drills. Check out drdishbasketball.com for more details and info. And we're also sponsored by Athletic Director U, which was founded with one goal in mind, to empower the college athletics community by delivering action-oriented insights and best practices from accomplished executives, top researchers, and the industry's most influential thought leaders. Athletic Director U seeks to create a transformative learning platform for all members of its community. Visit athleticdirectoru.com and sign up for their informative and much-needed daily newsletter. And now, on to Amy Porterfield. Welcome back, guys, to the Be Contagious Leadership Experience. And today, I've got a great, great guest. I have to say, um, I become a really fan crazy because I love all of the different things that she does. I'm on her website all the time. I listen to all her podcasts. Her name is Amy Porterfield. And she has her website, amyporterfield.com, and she will explain just a little bit more. But Amy, welcome to the experience. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Well, this is, this is great. Honestly, it's, it's a big treat for me uh, because you've, you've been a big inspiration in my life and the different things that, that I have done. But enough about me. Let's just start with who you are. I know you're a teacher, and then I'm just going to give it to you, and then we'll go from there. Okay, sounds good. So you want me to just dive into a little bit about what I do? Let's dive into you. And in the process, we'll be getting into what you do as well, too. Okay, sounds good. Well, I live in San Diego, California. I mean, a little outside of San Diego. It's called Carlsbad. And I've been here for a very long time. And the way I got into starting my own business is that I first work for Harley Davidson motorcycles. I always tease that I'm not a biker chick by any means, but my dad was really into motorcycles when I was young and I love the nostalgia and the 
tribe around Harley Davidson. So I got to work at the dealership levels in marketing. And then I moved into working with peak performance coach, Tony Robbins, who I'm guessing you know who that is. A little bit. I've, I've heard his stuff from time to time. <laughs> you mean in leadership. I'm sure you do. <laughs> and so I worked with Tony for about six and a half years where I got to travel the world and with him and his team and work on the content that he would do on stage or put into his digital products. And around that time that I was working there, about the last year I was there, I got the entrepreneurial bug. And I started to learn how to do online marketing launches because we did them with Robbins. And so because of that, I took everything I learned and all the lessons Tony taught me about being an entrepreneur. And I decided to take the leap and start my own business where I started doing social media marketing just one-on-one -on -one with small businesses. But then I've since branched out to have the company that I have today. But it's been a wild ride for sure. It has gone by so quickly, but it's definitely had its struggles along the way. Right. Well, I mean, let's let's first really talk about what was it like to all of a sudden take that jump? You know, that's hard for a lot of people. You know, I, I work in the coaching industry. I coach college basketball. And there are a lot of people who are afraid, even the players or coaches, whoever it is. What made you make that jump? You know, first of all, I was very, very scared. So I'm not going to say that it was easy by any means. And here was my little secret to success. I decided to take baby steps. So when I was still at Robbins, we had the situation where a bunch of online marketing entrepreneurs, it just so happened they were all men, they came in and they talked to Tony about how they run their business. And if you're in my industry, you know the names like Frank Kern, Evan Pagan, Brendan Burchard. These are big guys in the industry selling online training programs. So they told Tony kind of what their business looked like, what their lifestyle looked like. And we at that point, were just starting to get into online launching of programs. And so when I heard that, I thought, wait a second, I got to be a part of this. So I asked to move from the content marketing department to the actual online marketing department. So they were two different departments. And I went from content creation to online marketing. And for a good year, I got to get, be in the trenches with marketing. So I didn't take that leap right away, right when I got that feeling like, I've got to do this. So I stayed a whole other year, gave it 100%. And then at that point, I asked if I could go part time. And that was a huge leap. So I let them know that I'm starting to experiment with other things. I knew I was valuable to the business. So they were open to saying, okay, if you keep this project and that project, you, you can go part time. Then after a while, I asked if I could work from home a few days a week. <laughs> so I did these baby steps. And because I did a good job in the company, they were more willing to say yes. So I did not take the leap all at once. But but here's one thing I did do. Once I finally gave my notice and said, okay, I'm going to, you know, in 30 days or 60 days, I can't remember, I'm going to go out on my own. I then didn't look back in the sense of I didn't take small jobs from Robbins after that, because mm. I knew that if they gave me one project here, or maybe go on this one trip here to support this one event, I would be sucked back into it because it was my comfort zone. So I didn't burn bridges in relationships. I just didn't take on random projects after I had given my notice. Right. Wow. Now, how was it balancing um, working, you know, the, the Robin stuff, but also the baby steps with yours, because a lot of people, a lot of people don't like doing that, right? They like focusing on one thing, and they don't understand that you can do both things at a pretty high level and still get to where you want to go. 
It's so true. It feels awkward and uncomfortable and messy, especially I think those first two years. I don't think there's any way around it that it doesn't feel stressful when you're in it because you're juggling these two different things. But what I did is I started to be an early bird. So I'd get up really early in the morning and I'd work on my side gig at the time. <laughs> then I'd go to work. And then when I would get home, then I would work on it again. So I had to like uh, change the structure of my day for sure. And at the same time, I would just start to experiment with this or that in my side gig, not really knowing where it would take me or if this was a good opportunity or not. But I had to allow myself to kind of stretch my wings and say, okay, I'll try this. I'll say yes to this. And I quickly learned what I didn't like. But I will say it felt like a juggling act and it wasn't completely organized or it wasn't like smooth sailing at all. The first two years were my toughest years ever. And I think my saving grace was that I had a husband that supported me in this big decision. Mm. And I know some people don't have a spouse that says like, you can do it, keep going because they're scared of the money situation. So you've got to find someone in your life that's going to cheer you on no matter what. And at the same time, I also made sure that I was still bringing in money. So I didn't quit anything cold turkey and we didn't have like no money coming in at all. That just wouldn't have worked for our stress level. Right. So you're you're really talking also about like a family life fusion as well too because you're so you 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 had to dabble between both Robins and then your baby steps and then you also have a family as well too. Yes. I mean I know there are a lot of people who always say they don't have time. We're a big believer like we have time we just have to make the time. You have to be organized. You're right. You definitely have to be organized and you have to manage every minute during those first two years. Gosh, I still have to manage every minute because I can get sucked into this or that. I think it's incredibly important that you speak to your family about this and you let them know things are going to be different. They're going to feel a little bit messy. And this is why I'm doing it. I think always tying it back to the why and communicating to those that really matter in your life, why you're making the shift, what it means to you. I think that open so many doors for you to make mistakes in your family to be more forgiving along the way. I definitely missed football games. My son was really young at the time. I missed his football games. I, I remember, let me tell you a quick story. I remember at the time, not only was this kind of a crazy time for me, but my husband at the time, I think he was 38 years old. He decided to become a firefighter for San Diego and he was leaving his general contracting job. He had his own small business, hated it. (laughs) And so he wanted to be a firefighter. And so at the time when all this was going on, he was also making that shift. And I was responsible for getting Cade, our son, to football practice. And I was so overwhelmed with the project I was working on that I totally got him to the practice at the wrong time. And the coach told us, if your kids show up late, they're going to be running laps. And so we show up late, Cade's running laps, and I am on the sideline, sunglasses on, crying my eyes out because I'm like, I am a terrible mother. My poor (laughs) son is running because I can't get it together over here. That was a very real time for me. I had more moments like that, but there were tears for sure. You know, I, I love that story because it really can touch with a lot of people. A lot of people who are quote unquote successful, it all seems like everything is so easy. Like it comes easy to them. No one sees the work. They don't see the tears. They don't see the sweat. They don't see any of those things. I, I say it all the time, you know, I'm in North Carolina, but, and I'm from Los Angeles. My kids live in Los Angeles. I have a 16 and a 14 year old and that's tough. So I understand missing all these different things yet still trying to take care of yourself and what you're trying to do so that as a family unit, you can grow to something bigger and better. 
Yes, exactly. And I will tell you that all the tears, all the late nights, early mornings, the stress that I put on my family, all of that because I wanted desperately to be in control of the money I made, the impact I made, and I wanted to be my own boss. I did not want anybody telling me what to do anymore. And as a woman that's always had uh, male bosses, that felt even deeper for me. Like I just wanted to break out on my own. And so all of that, supporting my family, making as much money as I knew I could make, making an impact at the level I wanted, not being on somebody else's time. All of that was worth me standing on the sidelines, watching poor Cade run laps while I cried and having less time with my family during that, that season of our life. Yeah, no, I, 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 I love it. I, I love that journey. I love that story. When you go ahead and talk about the, you know, the tough two years and, and all the missteps, go, can, if you can go into detail with some of the missteps, because I think a lot of our listeners are, are waiting to make that jump. They just don't do it because they, re, they really believe that their mistakes define them when that's not the case at all. Ah, so true. So here's one of my biggest missteps. Although I feel like I had to make it in order to figure things out, but it was still really messy. And that was that when I left Robbins, when I finally went full-time, left them full-time into my real job I have now, um, I decided that I wanted to create online training programs and teach people how to do social media and online marketing since that was my background. But I didn't know how to create an online training program. I had zero people on my email list. I didn't have an audience. So what I did, because I had to make money, is I started to take clients doing one-on-one social media work. So I mm. got in the trenches and I did their social media. I hated it. I hated, again, I often tease, instead of having one big boss, literally, Tony is a big guy, I ended up having eight little mini bosses telling me what to do, (laughs) calling me at all hours. I thought, what the heck have I done? I've created a monster here in my business. So for a good two years, I took on clients one-on-one, tried to travel a bunch to get more clients because I was always scared. I lived in scarcity that I was going to lose a client, not be able to pay the bills. Like I was scared all the time, but I created a business I did not love. So about two years into it, Instead of saying, I've screwed up, I hate my business, I'm going back to corporate, which always like was in the back of my mind, I'm going to have to go back to corporate if this doesn't work. Instead, I said, okay, what are my other options here? And I got busy on a new business model. I eventually figured out how to move out of one-on-one coaching, consulting, and into creating my online training programs, which is the only way I make money now. But in those first two years, I don't think I would have gotten to where I am now if I didn't make a huge mistake and create a business that I absolutely hated. I think it needed to happen for me to realize what I really wanted. You know, I, I was on uh, one of your webinars. It's one of your webinars that you have that you basically talk about how, like, you started yours and no one came on, right? Or a few oh, people yes. would come on and, yes. and, and everything else. And you eventually had to tweak it and everything. And, and I really love that story. Like, how was that in terms of in, in, internally? And, and how yes. many times did you say, all right, I'm done. I'm out of here. I got to go back to corporate. Probably every day. That was the value of having a husband that believed in you because he said, don't say that. I'm not listening. Earmuffs. Don't even talk to me about that. It's not going to happen. So that was really, really powerful for me having him in my court. But yes, so building your own business is incredibly humbling, especially when you're using a lot of online marketing strategies to do so. Because in the beginning, 
Nobody's listening, but you still have to show up and you have to go through the motions in order to finally find your audience. And so those first few webinars, I remember there might've been 10 people on. I had my best friend sitting next to me for moral support. On the webinar, you're supposed to give a link at the end so people can buy. I didn't include the link in the webinar. No one (laughs) had any idea where to go. It was a disaster. And my very first webinar, because I do webinars a lot to sell my programs, was actually with Tony Robbins. He was practicing the night before with me to do a webinar for him. And I deleted all 850 people that were going to show up the next day. So like I have made some really big mistakes. And the first thing I'll do to be very, very transparent with you is I will say, you're an idiot, Amy. You've screwed up. You are not cut out for this. No one's listening. No one's watching. Like you have screwed up. And that might last. Here's the secret though. That might last 10 minutes. And then I think, all right, get it together because I am never, ever going back to corporate. So what's the alternative here? Figure this out. So it's a blow to your ego. It's very humbling. I will also tell you that I was embarrassed to put myself out there. I had worked for six and a half years behind a giant, both, you know, physically and literally, this guy is brilliant. And so to step up from behind the curtain and step in front and say, this is me, this is all my content. I was embarrassed to do that, especially when I was working a side gig and still in a corporate job. I thought, what are they going to think of me if I try this new stuff on social media? Like, what are you doing, Amy? So I had to get past that fear of what people would think of me because you can't get anywhere if you're going to hide. Right. This is great because you, you are touching on some things of every person who is listening to this because everyone's afraid, whether it's their boss, whether it's um, taking that next step. It's all these things. But you built confidence. You've built something. And, and I came across something that, that you, had, you always talk about. You, you basically do what you do because you teach what you know. Yes, exactly. How did you figure out what you knew and then how to teach it out to people? Well, I feel since, you know, your specialty is leadership, I think that it makes sense to bring this up here. I feel that for me to be a really good leader, I have to go first. Mm. And this is not how everybody works in terms of leadership. But if I go first and I try it out and I apply it, I'll know where the missteps likely will, will take place. I'll know how to get to the finish line quicker if I do it a few times. And I'll know if it's worth it or not. And so for me, I almost feel like I took the easy way out because if I do it first and I work out all those kinks, then it's really easy for me to teach. But that also limits me in some ways. And I'm aware of it and I've made the best of it and I've been able to build a multi-million dollar business anyway. But when you only teach what you know, there's only so much that you know. (laughs) And so I teach list building, course creation, webinars, social media. Now there's a lot there for sure. But sometimes I feel like, oh, shoot, I haven't tried that in my business. So what I do now is I'll bring an expert in. I have a lot of friends that are experts in areas that I'm not. So that's when I'll bring an expert in. I'm working on one of my courses right now, and I want to teach how to create a 10-day list building challenge. I have never done a challenge yet, and I don't have the bandwidth to actually try it in my business before I launch this program. So I've got a good friend who has done many of them, and I have to kind of humble myself and say, I'm not the expert here. I don't teach what I don't know, so I'm going to bring in an expert. And I think they probably value hearing from somebody else instead of just me all the time. So I've got to be aware of my weaknesses if I'm just going to teach what I know. Yeah, I understand. Everyone's always tired of hearing my voice, so I just bring in different people. It makes it so 
much smart. better. But you, now, now you the other part of that I really enjoy. I've learned a lot from our are your podcast, and um, I I personally have done a lot more with Facebook ads because of you. And one particular episode was with I think you had Rick Mulready. I think I'm saying his name right. Yeah. Um, and and really, you you obviously social media is a big part, but Facebook is something you're you're kind of like solving the Rubik's cube of it as time goes on because it's changing just like in different movie scenes yes. all the time. Yes, so true. So I have a good friend, like you said, Rick Mulready. He lives here in San Diego with me, and he is a Facebook ad expert. Now I can hold my own with Facebook ads, and I teach them to my students as they relate to, let's say, list building or webinars or anything like that. But Rick is in the trenches every single day. So what I decided, I have a podcast as well, and I decided when I'm talking Facebook ads, I'm going to bring Rick on. It will be a more interesting, rich conversation if it's not just me, and he teaches me stuff every single time. Time I talk to him. So yeah, it's a good combination. No, it, I mean, and, and all those different things, those different nuggets people have, I know what happened was that I usually listen to a lot of podcasts while I'm pretending to work out in the morning. <laughs> the, I like it. The issue is, is that every time I was on your podcast or a couple other ones, I would stop every two minutes because I'm <laughs> opening up my note app and I'm type like, oh, this is great. This is great. So I had to stop everything. And it was all right. I, I'm not going to do two things at once, even though that's what I love to do. I'm going to sit Smart. down and, and, and do all that stuff. Now, so... How big of a now when you talk about your your total brand because you know I think brand building is very very important you've done it with the website you do it with the podcast you know if there are some different nuggets of of kind of information you give some of your listeners um, what would that be and let's let's strictly talk about more about um, social media and and how to build a brand. So when we're talking about branding and social media, if I had some words of wisdom in that area, I think that it's important to remember that you can't oversell yourself on social media. And people have heard this from the get-go, but I think they get a little bit desperate in the sense of, and I don't mean that judgmentally, I mean it like it's very real. You feel this desperation to make money so all of a sudden, your social media looks like you're constantly selling. Right. And you will never see me sell directly on social media. Now, with one caveat, and that is, let's say if you went to one of my webinars, you haven't bought my product yet, I'll retarget you with an ad that might bring you back to my sales page if you already were there. But we'll never, ever start the conversation with me sending you to anything where I'm selling. And I think constant content creation mixed with social media is the perfect way to build a relationship. Because if you have your original content, you're blogging once a week, you're podcasting once a week, whatever it is you're doing, you have something genuine to talk about and you can spread that across social media in a way that's offering value. So that's one thing I think is important, consistent, original content. Hmm. That would be the one first nugget. Does that make sense? No, it, it, it perfectly does. And I think some people um, sometimes... They try and do, or they do it inconsistently, right? They just do it for like a couple of days, and then they disappear for like ten days, right? Um, and then you come back to it. And I know that a lot of different, you know, different social media based on the algorithm. Sometimes they'll pick it up. The more you post, the more you get out there. But I love the fact that you're not really selling every single time. I know salespeople have the ABCs, right? Always be closing. Yes. Um, but but you're saying something different. You're saying give content. And then get them to come around to basically like you, love what you're doing, and then see what tools can be used from there. It's true. And when you have a physical product, it's a little bit of a different conversation. If you're selling T-shirts or 
basketballs or whatever that you typically can sell sooner using social media. But a lot of my students are creating online training programs, they're coaches, consultants. So they're, it's more service-based or information-based. And because of that, what I teach them is let's use social media to start the conversation and build the relationship. Let's move them over to our email list by giving freebies away in exchange for name and email. And I do all my selling via email marketing. So I usually won't move you to the sales page until you're on my email list and I've built that relationship over weeks or months or whatever it might be. So that's a little bit of a different way I look at it as well. Hmm. But that that reminds me of something. Also, when we're talking about branding yourself and using social media, right now at the time of this recording, it is all about video. Live video, recorded video, whatever you wanna do, you've got to get on board. And I'll tell you right now, I hate to see myself on video, <laughs> I hate to record live video, and I do it for at least three hours a week. I have Facebook groups I do it in, and I do it on my fa Facebook page once a week. And the reason I do it is because if I don't, my competitors will leave me in the dust. And I typically don't have that kind of scarcity, like I've got to do it because my competitor will. But when it comes to video, I really do think that is a truth. Yeah, and, and a lot more people are, are doing it, which really leads to my next question. Is this going to be oversaturated? Facebook ads, video, content, um, is there going to be way too many people trying to help everybody when there's no one to help anymore because everyone's trying to help everybody? I don't think so. I never allow myself now, now that I've been around the block a little bit with my business to go to that scarcity not mindset. So here's one thing that's interesting with my business. I sell programs, again, related to list building, webinars, creating courses. A lot of people do what I do. And I've been able to find my audience and build a lucrative business, even though it's very congested in my space. There's a lot of noise, a lot of people doing what I do. And I think the reason why I'm able to shine, even though there's so much going on, is that one, I create original content that is my own. It makes me special. It makes my message special. And two, I keep showing up. And one thing that likely your competitors will do is they'll kind of just lose steam and they're not going to show up to do their blog every week. They're not going to continue to use social media. They're not going to stay current with what's working like video. Most people... I hate to say it, are lazy in that area. And so if you will just be consistent, that is half the battle. So I think there's enough for everyone to go around, but you can beat out that noise if you keep showing up. I love that because you're, you're taking action. You're, you're, yes. you're beating. And that's the thing. Amazing. It's like people, I've been very blessed to coach all over the world and people always say, coach, how did you get this job? I said, well, I'm not very qualified, but I just showed up. I mean, at the end of the day, I showed Love up. It. And then you just kind of build it from there and everything else, which which really brings me back to kind of your, your email list. I mean, your email list is basically gold, is it not? It is. I, I always say the energy of your business, what's actually working, what's moving it forward, the energy of your business is directly tied to the strength of your email list. Mm. Mm. Now, it, of course... Now everybody gets in a day with email lists. How do you find ways to make yours stand out? 
Yes. So this is a toughie because it's true. We all get tons of emails every day. And most of us just probably ignore a lot of the emails we're getting. Like I love to archive half of what's in my inbox every single day, (laughs) but there's usually one or two people. And in my industry, I could think of their names right now. One or two people that I never miss opening up their email. I know it comes on a certain day. So like Marie Forleo is one of my mentors from very early on in my business. It comes every Wednesday. I open it up the minute I get it. I know that she's going to link to a video that's original to her every single week. I know the video is going to be around 10 minutes, so it's easy to digest. So I know this and I have trust and faith and she's going to give me some good stuff. So that is an email I never miss. There's a few of those people. So I'm always trying to be that person to my audience as well. I want them to know what to expect, know that it's going to be good and dive into it. So you've You've got to figure out a way that your voice is going to be heard. And usually it comes down to you being very real, very transparent, very raw in the sense of this is who I am, take it or leave it, because that's what people want to connect with. Right. Now, how much time do you spend on content creation um, in terms of the organization part? You know, I know I'm going to get this email out. I know I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Like how much time is spent with that? Um, and then, And then obviously getting to execute it from there. So the majority of my day is spent in content creation, whether it be writing an email, outlining a podcast, recording the podcast, getting ready for my live show on Thursdays. All of that is content creation for me. And so the majority of time, so let's say if I have eight hours in a day, I'm going to guess that five to six are spent on actually creating content. Mm. Now, for the record, I also have a team that supports me. I have a full-time project manager that takes care of things behind the scenes. I have an admin. I have a community manager. So before I had a small team, I always say I have a small but mighty team. Before I had that team in place and it was just me and let's say five hours or 10 hours a week with an admin, then I would definitely have to be careful on how I spent my time. And my secret to success there is I always worked on one main project at a time. My friends that I see in the industry that are really struggling, if I know anything about behind their business, knowing that they're not really making consistent revenue, they're really struggling to meet their goals. There's one thing that those friends of mine have in common, and that is they are always flip-flopping to the next shiny thing that grabs their attention. Mm. As entrepreneurs, we have lots of ideas and it's easy to say, okay, I figured it out. This wasn't right. I'm moving to this. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, you haven't even fleshed this out yet. You're not (laughs) sure if this is right. You have to spend time with it. So I know it's easier said than done, but the flip floppers are the ones that never meet their revenue goals. So you will never find me working on too many things at once. I'm very chatty today because I'll say one more thing to that. I love it. I think I think I'm passionate about this topic. <laughs> I'm working on something right now in my business. I'm redoing one of my programs and I love this program and I want to redo it. However, there's something else I cannot wait to work on. It's this mini product that I want to create and I'm just chomping at the bit to get to it. Now, I'm the boss. I could say, you know what? I'm not revamping this program. I'm going to work on the, the thing that has got me most excited. And if I did that, I would screw up my revenue. I would lose trust in my team. I'd go back on my word with my business and my students. I have to get this project done. So I'm not even letting myself nor my team even touch this new project till this thing is done. Now, what that does is one, it keeps me accountable. Two, you can bet I'm going to get it done as fast as humanly possible so I can move on to something that actually has more of my interest and passion. 
But I feel like you, we got to put, be big boys and be girl, big girls. And we've got to do what we say we're going to do. Yeah, I tell you, your everything you're saying is pretty much are all top of the line leadership qualities. Uh, it's it's oh, the, I love that the the discipline part, the being able to tell your team what we're going to do and which direction we're we're going to go in, and and everything else. I mean, how did you come up with that? Like, what did you see from different people or yourself or how you raised or whatever it is? Were you able to really come and be this type of leader when it comes to your business and the people around you? You know, I really have to give credit to my time with Tony Robbins because when I was there, I learned systems. And I think any entrepreneur that can learn systems in the sense of how we're going to attack a project, how we're going to keep people accountable, all of that was in the Robbins organization. And it was painful when I was learning it, but I'm so glad I did. So I every single project that I do inside my business with my team, we use this tool called Asana, A-S-A-N-A. And basically, it just outlines every single task within a project, who's working on it, when is it due, and we keep ourselves accountable through that. I think me moving over to Asana probably started in my days of Robbins, where we managed every project really closely until it was completed. So I feel like that was part of my Robbins learning. And also, Tony talked a lot about where you put your focus, obviously, whatever you're doing, it's going to grow. And if you put your focus in five different places, everything will get just a little piece of you. And he talked about that a lot. And it really set in with me that I don't want five different projects to get just a little piece of me because I know I'm definitely motivated by revenue. And I know the revenue is not going to be there for just a little piece of me. But if one project got all of me until I moved on to the next, I knew that the revenue and the impact with my audience would be there. So focus is something I learned from Tony and also project management. Well, the one thing I'm learning from this is the passion that you have for what you do. Yes. That, I mean, just, and you, you could hear it in your voice and you, you could hear it in just how you say things and everything, but there, there's a, a bit of a passion of, of, of what you're doing. So, I mean, the question is, well, why do you do it then? I mean, I, I, obviously it's, it's lucrative. You're doing very well, but there has to be something more. There is. It's definitely not all about money, even though I say that money can definitely be a driver for me. I absolutely love when I hear from one of my students, whether it be they send me an email, an audio file, just a video or a video, even better. And they say, it finally worked. I finally cracked that code or I left my corporate job or I did my first launch and it was five figures. Like that's a big one for my students starting out with a five figure launch. That is the stuff, even talking to you about it now, I get the tingles from it. Like I love it. And it's funny because I recently did a podcast episode with my husband and we talked about what it's like to support an entrepreneur and he gave some insights around that. And funny enough, my most popular podcast episode I've ever done, who would have figured? But when we did it, I said to him like, you know, babe, I understand that I'm not uh, fighting fires and saving lives. I'm not a hero in my business, but I take it really seriously. And he said something along the lines of you are changing people's lives every day. And I kind of took that. I'm like, you know what? If that's what's happening, bring it on because yeah. that is truly what I live for. That's awesome. Changing lives is what I think a lot of us are trying to do, and you're doing it great. I'm, I'm, Thank I, you. I'm, I'm so speechless. This is ridiculous. But listen, oh. I want people to go. Obviously, it's amyporterfield.com. What, there, are, there are a couple of free guides that actually helped me moving in, in the direction that I was going. You got this great cheat sheet on 20 smart strategies of growing the email list. 
Um, you've got five ways to know if you're ready to profit from any online course. And of course, you have the how to choose a perfect webinar topic, which I think people um, uh, have a hard time doing. Um, I, know, yes. I know I do with everything else. Where can people find you? Oh, thanks for asking. So if you go to amyporterfield.com, you could find me there. And if you're interested in my podcast, it's called Online Marketing Made Easy. You can find it on iTunes. And she is on Instagram with a huge loyal following and Twitter. And I mean, she's everywhere, folks. So this is something that, that you got to jump on board with what she's doing. And I got two final questions for you. We ask all the guests who come on to the experience. Um, the first question is, you know, when they make the Amy Porterfield movie on your life, <laughs> on what you're doing, who is going to play you? Oh, good question. Who's going to play me? So I've actually thought about this, not that anybody would ever want to make a movie about me, but if they did, my favorite actress is Sandra Bullock because she is able to laugh at herself all the time. She's kind of gritty and real. I absolutely love it. It doesn't hurt that she's completely hot as well, but that's not why I chose her. So Definitely, I would choose Sandra Bullock. I like that. I like that. Now, and the last one, you know, we believe here that in order to be successful, you have to really fall in love with something. Um, so really, Amy, what are you in love with? I'm absolutely in love with two things. One, I love the fact that I can give tips and tricks and strategies that allow somebody to learn how to be their own boss and call the shots. And that's a pretty freeing and powerful thing to have in your life. So I'm I'm passionate and in love with that. I'm also in love with the fact that I've created a business where I get to have the freedom to make the choices and call the shots and take the time off when I want to and work when I want to and have a life that is outside of somebody else's parameters. I absolutely love that. So I choose both of those. Wow. That is awesome. Amy, I tell you, I am honored that you could take the time today to be a part of the podcast. Um, you really have enlightened me uh, through, you know, through my time. I always engaging with your content, but also you're helping the audience members of, of this podcast. You are really a light to a lot of people. You are a great, great woman, and you are the epitome of what Be Contagious is all about, Amy. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored. Hey, guys, I hope you got tons of information from Amy Porterfield. Make sure to visit her website, amyporterfield.com. Whether you're an entrepreneur or coaching college basketball or a business person, Amy is someone that you definitely have to learn from. Branding is a huge part of today's industry. And if you're not doing it, quite frankly, you'll probably be left behind. So hopefully you gain some valuable nuggets from Miss Amy Porterfield. Guys, I just want to take this time to thank you again for always coming on and listening to the BCLE, the Be Contagious Leadership Experience. Without you, we quite frankly, would be nowhere. So I want to thank all of you for, for being a part of our family, our tribe. And I just ask for a favor, if you can just go ahead and spread the love to someone, if you could share this podcast and what we're trying to do, the movement of building leadership, communication, culture to others, I'd be forever grateful. So please go on iTunes and SoundCloud, subscribe, leave a comment and share away because I need you. To be quite frankly, I need you guys. I love all of you. You are put on this earth to do amazing. You are not here to do nothing. You are here to make an impact in individual lives. Remember, you are truly unique. You are an unbelievable person. And continue on being contagious to the people around you. Till next time, guys.